you know, this month has been a month that we've been talking about successfully hearing from God. I got two sermons again tonight before we pray. And one is just a very basic, simple message on hearing from God, you know, because a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that when they pray, that's when God is going to answer. You know, this is just a little facetious way to explain this. But praying, um, particularly when you're seeking for an answer, is many times like sending God an email. You send him an email with certain requests, and you got to wait for him to send the email back. Then you have the other side, which is the warfare side. But these are just some tips. I think this is a, a, just a simple, basic teaching that you all need to know when it comes to answers for prayer. Because... Um, there are no prayers that are prayed in planet earth that are meant to go unanswered always remember that prayer is not a religious exercise prayer is a religious exercise for people that don't get answers Okay, if there are no answers to prayer praying is a waste of time when you study the scripture carefully prayer is only for the purpose of getting a result nothing else if you can't get a result it's a, it's a waste of time to prayer so I know some people in other religions they pray you know because of alignment I don't need to be enlightened. I need to get an answer. My answer is the enlightenment. I got time to be sitting on top of some mountain. Mm, six months later. Mm, ten months later. Mm, that's the only thing that's changed. You went up octaves. Looking for peace. I already have peace. So, first thing with prayer is ask. Matthew 7, 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now in that scripture, I'm bringing up asking, but those are three separate things. There are some things you have to ask God for. Then there are other things you have to seek an answer for. It might be a particular answer on something, particular revelation, you know, it's amazing. I, I remember doing that. The lion that we use for our church is a real lion. And it came from a painting that a, a man did in another country. And so, um, and it was such a beautiful lion. And the crazy thing is that when we came to this church, when we came to this building, the lion was out there on the wall. It was the first thing that I saw. I was like, that's that lion. And so... Um, and so uh, I just know I wanted to use the lion for our church as the face of the ministry when the Lord said it was lying our church. So I reached out to a couple through an email and I said, hey, you know, that lion that you all use um, for your painting, you know, can we use that for the ministry? And I thought for sure, because they were brethren in Christ, that they would sure, brother. We all want in Jesus. Use that line. It's the line of the tribe of Judah. Nope, got an email back. Absolutely not. And that's one of the few times I couldn't rest that night. The Holy Ghost was stirring me to seek. And I've never done this before. I went, got up. I shouldn't say I've never done this before. I got up in the middle of the night and I got on the internet. And I just started, I, look, I Googled lines and I just started looking up lions. Looking up lions, you know, of course, they're just pages of lions, just pages of lions. And and I think I got to about the fourth or the fifth page. And and lo and behold, that lion was sitting right there. It was never their lion to withhold. It was a real lion 
and the photographer caught him at the perfect angle. The lion had turned. And if you if you go back and look at the lion, go on our Lionheart page, YouTube, or whatever else, and what you'll see is, is that if you look closely, you'll see the shadow of his nose over here. But most people never see it until we pay attention to it. You'll see the shadow of his nose. We left that on there when we doctored him up because it was a real lion, and the sun was casting a shadow with his nose, and it put a shadow right on his face. That's an example of the Holy Spirit will lead you to seek. He'd like, well, how many know? He could have he woke me up in a dream. Let's say the Lord, go to the computer, Google Lions, and go all the way to the fifth page, and you shall see your answer. He didn't do that. I just couldn't sleep. He stirred me up to seek. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock. So there'll be things you'll have to seek after. Answers. Okay? Knock. Knock has more to do with warfare than anything else. There is a door that is closed and you need it to open and it won't. So you got to keep on knocking, 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 knocking. Okay? So that gets over into other stuff. Jeremiah 33 3. And remember, God only reveals his plans to those who ask. If you won't ask, you may not get an answer. God doesn't answer silence. He answers questions. And it's deep because in the body of Christ, we have taught people that God does not want to answer your questions. All over the Bible, he said, ask, ask, ask. He had the nerve to say in Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you don't even know exist. Do not distinguish and recognize, have knowledge of and understand. He said, if you ask me about stuff you don't even know exist, I'll tell you about it. That's crazy. But then you go to somebody, oh, no, brother, you shouldn't ask God questions like that. Why? Your child got on your nerve asking you questions, and sometimes you said, because I said so, but that was still an answer. Okay, so that's ask. Second thing is, so in order for you to get an answer, you got to ask. I always tell people, you should have a rolling list of all of the things that you need God to do and all of the questions that you need him to answer. And as he answers them, cross off. And as you get more, add more to the list. Guess what your religious mindset will do? Well, you know, I already got 10 questions down there, and I don't want to be overbearing. Let me tell you something. If you had 1,000 questions down, God wouldn't even blink. He would ask you, are you sure you don't have more? It's a religious mindset. How do you know? That religious mindset is a trip. Next one is sin, Isaiah 59, 1 through 4. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It is your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers. Your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies and your mouth spews corruption. Negative speaking, profanity, all that. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies, and they conceive evil deeds and then give birth to sin. Okay? So, a lot of people are asking God to do something and asking him for an answer. He can't hear you because you created the wall, not him. Y'all remember Achan? I just read that uh, today in Joshua. You know, remember what the Lord told him? He said, now when you go to war, he said, in that first battle, give me everything. Don't keep nothing. He said, kill all the people. He said, kill all of the animals. And he said, when it comes to the treasure, he said, don't keep one solitary cent. All of that belongs to me. So they won the war gloriously. And the Bible says that there was a man in the battle named Achan. 
And it says that uh, even though he knew what the Lord said, the temptation was greater than he could bear. And it says that he stole a piece of clothing, stole a little bit of money, I believe something else. It says he took it home and he did something mysterious. I think this is a, there's a reason it says that. I don't know what the reason is, but he did something mysterious. It says that he buried everything. But even but when it came to the silver, he buried the silver deeper than everything, including the gold. That that means something. I can tell. Well, I can tell it means something, but I don't know what it means. So guess what I got to do? Seek. Ask the Lord. What does this mean? Okay. And so uh, I don't know, but uh, it's very well. I don't want to get over into that. I'm trying to interpret my own question now. You know. And it says that when it came to the next war. It said that they went and investigated and they said, told Moses, hey, this is a small town. Um, um, it's not that many men. And so we don't need to get the whole army. Let's just send a few. And it said that they, I believe, uh, I believe they sent 3,000. And they sent the 3,000. And it says that little small city whooped their behinds. They came running all the way back home. Okay, you'll read it. I believe it's Joshua chapter 9, I believe. Joshua chapter 8 or 9. And uh, so when they lost the war, it said the people just cried all day long, everything. They just cried. It says Joshua laid out on the ground, prostrate before the Lord. He, Lord, why'd you bring us out here to lose this war? We should have stayed on the other side, boom, boom, boom. And it's so interesting, the Lord said, get up. Why are you laying on the ground? See that a couple of times in scripture, Moses did that. He praying out there in front of the Red Sea. And the Lord said, what you praying for? Use the rod. Okay. That's why I, you, you've seen that happen to me. I'm doing this illustrious end of the service prayer and the Lord just speak to me and interrupted me like my prayer didn't mean nothing because apparently it didn't. Boy, you being religious. I got something I have to say. Okay. And so remember what the Lord told him. He said, son, you sitting up here laying all down trying to be deep and religious and praying. He said, it's very simple. One of your boys made a mistake. He said, and when that mistake was made, he said, that's what brought the shield down in battle. That's why you lost. So you're going to read the rest of that. And each tribe had to come out and they finally found out it was him. And they did something that was straight gangster. They took him, his wife, his children, his belongings, his property, his sheep and everything. They took them all to the valley, stoned all of them and then burned them. And y'all like, God was cruel. Do you want to know the number one reason why God would do things like that in the Old Testament? Because that was not the age of grace. And and so and so the problem is is that God this is God's attitude. I'll use him because I can use him. This is God's attitude. Now, it is the principle of no no no. I was just gonna say I was gonna use you as an example. You wouldn't get offended. Example. He was coming up because I always got people standing up on the stage. That's funny. How many of you know? It's mysterious. It does not matter how many good apples are in the bin. Put one bad one in, and what happens? All of them become bad. The whole thing becomes rotten. The good apples, it, that's, that's a, it's crazy. The good apples don't gang up with each other and fight off the bad apple. That one bad apple works its way through the whole thing. That was an example of the Old Testament without grace. The Bible didn't say in the Old Testament that they were the salt of the earth. It said we are. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so God's attitude was now we got to kill this guy. Because if we don't kill this guy, everybody becomes this guy. That's the reason why he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, the whole city had already turned 100% gay. 
every man and boy in the city is homosexual. You're like, why would he just destroy them like that? Uh, because if I don't, then the whole planet will be that way. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not God being cruel. It's sometimes him amputating a finger. Y'all follow that? Oh, man. Somebody's still going to get mad. But okay. So that's sin. Next one is time. Ezekiel 3.16. This is very simple. You will pray. But guess what? After seven days, the Lord gave me a message. So some, you have to pray. Constantly give God thanks for the answer. You don't have to remind him, Lord, you remember my question from uh, five days ago? Mm-hmm. Why haven't you answered me? Because I didn't want to. He answers at his specific time. And you see that through scripture? I just brought out that one. This man asked God a question, and it said, after seven days, the Lord gave him a message. Okay? So, and that message will not come the next time you are praying. It'll most likely come while you are driving or taking a shower or cooking. Okay? That's a whole teaching in regards to why God speaks in the midst of noise and not the midst of silence. Okay, Daniel 10, 12 through 13. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Boom. So you see this two different ways. In one way, you ask God a question, and then he chooses to answer it two weeks from now. And then the other thing is, you ask God a question. He answered it that day, but the way the answer came got held up. Guess what? Sometimes you ask God a question. And he'll speak to a person to give you the answer. And the person will hold the answer because they're afraid to give you the answer. I don't know if I really heard from God to tell that person that. How many of you that's happened to you? It's happened to you with money. I don't really know if the Lord told me to give all of that money. I'm going to pray about this. Ain't nothing to pray about. You scared. Y'all got that? So you see that with time. It's very mysterious to me how there are some answers God will speak directly to your spirit and there are others that he'll send through an angel. And he'll let the angel fight the enemy to get you your answer. That's crazy. Because God was speaking directly to prophets in the Old Testament. Okay? Then you have location. Ezekiel 3.22 Then the Lord took hold of me and said, Get up and go out into the valley and I will speak to you there. So when you ask God a question... That's proof again. He may not answer you at that moment and at that place. He will answer you another time and in another place. Why? I have no idea. It has to do with things that we can't see. Y'all got that? Then you have motive. Okay? The best way to get an answer, qu prayer, uh, an answer quickly is to have the right motive. Second Chronicles 1, 11 through 12. God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth riches fame or even the death of your enemies or long life but rather you ask for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people I will certainly give you wisdom and knowledge you requested but I will also give you wealth <laughs> riches and fame such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future so that's motive y'all your greatest motive in prayer should be for you to have the will of God 
and for you to have good character. The more you ask God to help you with your bad character, the more you won't have to ask him about the stuff you want. Because God wants good character from you. You want blessings from him. The more you focus on that character, he will give you the blessings. That man did not ask for riches, fame, or even the death of his enemy. He did not ask to be the richest king in the history of the world at that time. The Lord wanted him to have that. And he said, since your motive is to treat people right, I'm going to give that to you without a request. Y'all got that? So that's why you can write down your request. Once you write them down, he heard you. Once you write them down, he did not forget about you. Once you write them down, he not just trying to make you just wait in order for you to suffer. Now, maybe he might want your fruit of patience to grow. Okay. But he heard you. You focus on your character. And then, and then, so that was motive. And then as a result of focusing on your character, then you also want to focus on this one, which is the mode that you should be in at all times to get a prayer answered. Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live right. And he'll give you everything you need. I think we've been praying wrong. Because according to scripture, all of the stuff that you're asking for, you're not really supposed to ask for. But if you want to ask, we'll still give it. But if you do these two things, you'll never have to ask. That's crazy, isn't it? So that was a nice teaching. Solid, very simple, solid teaching. When it comes to prayer, you got to ask. If you don't ask... If, if, if you don't ask the question, you're not entitled to an answer. You must ask, then you must be sin free. Then, okay, remember that God will not answer the prayer in your time, but he is. Remember, he may not speak to you in the location you expect. So you might be in your prayer room just like this. And all you hear is the birds outside. So all you hear is the birds outside. And then later on, when you get to your job and you take a lunch break, right before you bite into a sandwich, you hear the Lord speak to you. It's crazy. Okay, so location, and then you have motive, and then you have mode. So remember all those things. It's very simple. What it teaches you is, is that put your faith in God. He heard your request. He'll answer you at the right time. And trust me, he knows how to get your attention when he gives you that answer. Sometimes the way he answers it, you kind of wish you didn't ask the question. I wasn't expecting all of this, Lord. Okay, so y'all got that. The second one is entitled Freeing People from the Prison of Their Mind. One of the things that you'll find that we are doing on Wednesday nights is, is that particularly with this prayer and focusing on, on salvation, is that we are I'm going to give you a little small expose in regards to how we free up a person's mind. Um... 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds, not the eyes, not the ears. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Now, remember, Satan is very good at what he does. So when it comes to the unbeliever, the Bible says that he blinds their minds from seeing the truth. But guess what? You can get saved and he still blinds your mind from seeing other truth. So you have some denominations, okay, their minds have been freed from rejecting Jesus Christ. But their minds have not been freed from 
accepting uh, divine healing. Some people, I don't believe in all of that tongue stuff. Yeah, because Satan has blinded you. Well, I'm a Christian. It does not mean that you can't be blinded from Satan. I don't believe in that tongue stuff. I don't believe in that deliverance stuff. I don't believe, I don't believe in that uh, dreams and vision stuff. And, and I don't believe in the numbering system. And, and I don't believe in the prophetic. And, and I don't believe in prophets. And, and I don't believe in apostles. Well, what do you believe? It's a lot of unbelieving believers that are going to heaven they you know the, the prayers apparently just crept the door open for them to see the light of Jesus okay and um, and, and 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 pride will cause you to cooperate with Satan you'll, you'll cooperate with Satan because Jesus said about the Pharisees he said they refuse to see because their pride won't let them that's a very dangerous place to be a very dangerous place to be Hey, so remember, Satan is the one. How Satan gets us is by blinding our minds. I'm very amazed at how people can't see themselves. That's a very scary and frustrating thing because they can see clearly about everybody else, but they just can't see. And I'll probably mention that again this weekend. You know, it's, you know what's very interesting about that passage of scripture? Where it says, um, it says to remove the, notice the scripture says to remove the telephone pole out of your eye before you can see the speck in someone else's. Uh, notice it assumed that all of y'all had a telephone pole. It didn't say ye who have a telephone pole. It made a general statement. It said move the telephone pole out of your eye. Watch this. Which, you want to hear something crazy? Do you realize that until you are perfect, you couldn't see clearly about someone's small issue? According to that scripture, you can't even see clearly about somebody's small issue because that scripture said, and I'm going to quote it again. It said, remove the beam or the big telephone pole out of your eye. Then you can see clearly to see a speck. So the only way that I'm able to address people when it comes to their issues is that I have to be in the perfect word of God. That's why I address things with the word and not my opinion. Because my opinion won't matter. I got to give you the word. The word is perfect because, you know, see, if I give you my opinion, I might have compassion about how you feel negatively about this person. But if we look at what the word says, we then can see that you're not even lining up with how the Bible tells you to treat your enemies. Yeah, I felt that one too. I mean, it's, it's, it's straight appalling when you see what the, how the Bible tells you to treat your enemies. I'm supposed to pray for them. I'm supposed to bless them. I'm supposed to greet them. What? Supposed to do all that. I'm supposed to treat them as though they never did anything wrong. Yeah, and when you do that, you'll be acting like me because I treat you like you don't do anything wrong. And it's amazing, you know what? We can receive that, but we just can't return the favor to people. There's nothing worse, you all, than rejecting someone that God accepted. Whenever you reject someone that God has accepted, Whenever you refuse to help someone that God wants to be helped, you unfortunately switch places with that person over time. What they were supposed to receive if they didn't get the help, you will not receive that 
I can't get over into too much with that, but you know, God is very, remember what, what, what did God say? He said, I understand that they did you wrong. He said, but if you can't forgive, I won't forgive you. And Jesus said this way. He said, if you don't forgive, he said, my father will turn you over to the tormentors. That's scary. That's how seriously angry God is. When you won't treat someone right, when he forgave you of more than what they did to you. So let me get this right. I've forgiven you of all of the crap that you have done, are doing, and will do. See, how many of you know, our sins are looked at as very lightly. Oh, it wasn't that bad. And well, the Bible says that your righteousness is filthy. So what do your sins look like? You understand what I'm saying? And, and so God, I don't know why I'm on this, but God takes it very, very seriously in regards to how you treat people. And the more that I study this subject and the more that I hear certain preachers and the more I study heaven, the more grieved I get. Because I'm realizing that we just generally don't treat people the way we're going to treat them in heaven. Because in heaven, you're going to be forced to treat them that way. In heaven, that's, I shouldn't say that, you're not going to be forced to treat them that way. You're going to treat them that way because your eyes will be fully open. But your eyes could have been fully open down here. You just decided to keep them closed. I apologize. You know what? Let me tell you something. This is how you stay clean. I'm going to just be, can I be transparent? You know, there's always somebody when you're transparent that takes advantage of that, but I don't care. Jesus said, follow me because I'm meek and lowly, not because I'm deep. At the baptism this past Saturday, there was a young lady that was baptized. And she said, I didn't know you knew such and such such. I said, oh, how you know them? Oh, that's a longtime friend of mine. I said, oh. And so she made the statement. They said that they did this at your church. I said, first of all, that's not true. They were not a minister at this church. And, and so I then kind of went down the line a little bit. You know, on the contrary, I said, because of that individual, I said, many people have lost their destiny because of that individual, okay? And so, and so, yeah, I just shared a few things with her, you know, in regards to what had happened and all that type of stuff, okay? And so then, um, that was on Saturday, and the Lord didn't say nothing on Sunday. But uh, Monday morning, and uh, why would you say that about him to her? She didn't know none of that until you brought it up. See, if you want to know why, I'm going to keep on going high. It's because God ain't thinking about my sermon. How many of you know he can do a whole lot better than what I'm doing right now? You, mm, ah, Jesus will get up here and do one point. Jesus, that's it. That will listen to that for the rest of my life. I don't even need the Bible. Thank you very much. That was the deepest revelation. How many of you know Jesus can run circles around me with 30%, 70%, 99% of his brain cut off. He is not interested in that. He's interested. Let me see if you will do my command. You now must call her and apologize. Did I call her? Call her and apologize today. I said, hey, look. So you remember my conversation Saturday? Yeah. I said, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. I said, when you brought that person up, I got a little salty. And I and I don't say I think I said I share some things I should not have shared. I said and I don't want to. That person is a good person. They just got off track. I don't want that. I don't want to tarnish that person's. You know. You know what I'm saying? 
And so uh, she said, oh, no, you're good. Watch this. She doesn't have the ability to judge my speck. That's why she said, you're good. Well, if I'm good, then how come God put me in check? See how we can't judge stuff correctly? She says, no, you're good. That's not what you did. That's exactly what I did. But she couldn't think like God. And then she said, oh, I knew the person was crazy anyway. That's not a justification for me to not feel better. But see, did the Lord do that because he wants me to feel bad? No, he's trying to teach me how to live down here like I am up there. And if you can't humble yourself, son, what you going to do when the church does get four times bigger? You understand what I'm saying? And, and so those are the things that, but now at first, we can't hear stuff like that. You know why? Because you're too hard on the inside. You think you know everything. But over time, see, that's one thing that's wonderful about the Holy Spirit. Over time, he'll soften your heart, and then you'll learn how to receive chastisement without feeling like there's something wrong with you. Because there's something wrong with all of us. When God chastises you, that does not make you a bad person. It means that there is something that you did or said that was bad. That, has, that doesn't mean it's your character. You know what I'm saying? And people sometimes have a hard time. And I understand that's not always easy. You know, you know what my favorite ones are? I get this all the time. Brother Pastor. Yes. If you ever see anything in me. I don't even listen to that. I give you permission to rebuke me and to chastise me. And all the time I'm listening, I'm like, mm, no. You know why we say that to people? Because we have in our mind that we're pretty good. And that if it's something small, but then when they hit you, you're like, oh, I didn't know you had the ability to bring something that I did not know was in my heart. Always remember this, you all. When you're doing something, it's coming out of you. It's the other people that feel what's coming out of you. You never feel what's coming out of you. That's why you think it's so strange that people will sometimes say, you did this, you did that, you said this, you said that. You, don't, you think it's so strange because you didn't get hit with those words. Everybody else did. It's crazy, isn't it? So I went all the way around the bush talking about removing the telephone pole. So that's why the Bible says, look at yourself first. You know, sometimes we have international counselors who say God's mouthpiece for correction on everything. They try to correct me, you know. It's so funny to watch people try to correct my sermon, and they just as off as a three-headed monster. But that's okay. I don't get mad. Hey, better you try to criticize me and at least look, make sure, and double check. Because they know I do. There are some crazy things that come out of my mouth sometimes by accident. Wrong dates. I'm about to come up here and go to a dance party all by myself on Friday. <laughs> so y'all got me. You know, and, and, and let me tell you something. One or two things will happen. If you don't learn how to get a, a handle, because you got to remember, you know, there ain't no such thing in, the, in heaven as keeping it real with your attitude. That's just the way I am. And, 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 and you see this with ladies now, with all cultures. He can't just deal, he can't, he can't deal with a strong woman. Mm -hmm. You're right. That's why he went and got a humble one. 
excuse the language, ain't no man or woman want to be with somebody that's going to drive them crazy for the rest of their life. So if I got to hear your mouth all day long and you beat me up upside the head, whether you male or female, I know what the Bible says about it's better for a man to be on a rooftop. You know, than with a brawling woman. But guess what, ladies? It's better for you to be on another dimension on another planet than with a raggedy man. Gone. I'm going to go to Pluto. That's what the scripture should have said. Call the law offices. God just singled it out, but it's just bad. Whether you man married to a woman, woman married to a man, or dating somebody, y'all know what I'm saying. I hope y'all know what I'm saying. But these people got these attitudes out here where I'm ratchet, but you should accept that, and you stupid if you don't. In the words of the rapper, okay. And then they go marry somebody else, male or they go marry somebody else, and you want to call the person's spouse weak. But he or she is smiling. And that's the only thing that counts. Oh, oh I'm going down. The ship is not. <laughs> I'm trying to help y'all. I had a lady tell me something that was so sad. She said, the Lord sent me four men that I could marry. She says, I ran them off with this. One of the saddest things I heard. She realized it after she matured. She says, I ran the men off. Okay, let me tell you something. Ladies. I don't know why I've been on the ladies. I'm, I'm about to switch over to the men, but. Oh, no, I'm going to leave that alone. Well, I'm, let me tell you something. Oh, Lord, Father in heaven. No, because y'all pulling me in. Y'all ain't the Holy Spirit. The very people that'll pull you in as soon as you say it, I can't believe they were storming out the church. They doing all of that? Trying to pull me in. No, absolutely not. <laughs> we'll get to that my wife and I'm going to minister on relationships again here soon maybe I don't know let's get back to the point let me say this I guess the Holy Spirit just kind of brought me back around thank you <laughs> this is very important because if your mind is not right Satan is going to manipulate that part of your mind is wrong Somebody be trying to help you, you're going to swear that they're trying to hurt you. And we've had people that they left because they just thought we were trying to hurt them and know we were trying to save you. But, you know, you got to stop seeing yourself as the victim all the time. Sometimes you created the victim that is within you. And guess what? It's okay. You just got to learn how to get it right. You see, see, you know, y'all, let me tell you something. Sometimes the best thing you can do and people are not going to do it, you know, is guess guess who most qualified to tell you about you? Mm -mm. Oh, no, not you. No, you're the last one on the list. No, no, no. You're the last one on the list because you're going to give yourself an A. You, you should have got an F. You're going to, you know you're crazy in that area. Well, you know, I'm a C in that area. No, no, you're somewhere down there on the lower part of the alphabet. Q. How about that? If you're married, your spouse. But you can't hear it because you want to focus on what they're doing wrong. And guess what? Because they're doing wrong, they can't feel the wrong that's coming out of them. They feel the wrong that's coming out of you. 
So they're the most qualified to tell you about your room. They see you every day. They know you every day. But that's generally the person that we don't want to hear it from. If you're single, one of your best friends, they'll tell you. Girl, do I talk too much? Girl, you know good and well you shouldn't even ask me a question like that. I'm telling you. Anyway, First Corinthians, we read that already. So this is how Satan, this is how you give Satan an advantage over you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. I love that phrase. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Okay, watch this. I'm, I'm going to just use relationships because that's the easiest. See, see, you know, your husband or your wife might, might talk to you about something, right? But, but then you have a reason why you can't listen. You got a reason why you can't do it. You got a reason why you can't change. Ooh, Jesus. And the scripture says God's weapons knock down the stronghold of human reasoning. This thing is strong in you. You don't want to change. You don't want to hear it. You got a reason. And a lot of times the reason is, well, if you would do such and such such, that's not a good reason. Ooh, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm going to have to pray for another three hours after this. Are y'all still with me? This should have been a weekend message. But I wasn't even supposed to preach this, so I'm going to just keep on going. He said, knocking down the strongholds of human reason and false arguments. Ooh, we, somebody told you something. And you wanted to argue about it. And God judged it as a false argument. But watch this. Because of your mindset, we got to keep hearing the false arguments come out of your mouth. And that's why God says the only thing that's going to change those false arguments coming out of the individual, you're going to have to use the weapons of prayer to knock down them false arguments that's in their mind. Let's read the same scripture from King James Version. Casting down imaginations and every high thing. It's called high thing because it's pride. Pride for people, this is how they feel on the inside. High. I'm better than you and you can't tell me anything. I'm not wrong. That's why it says every high thing. That exhausts itself the knowledge of God. Because anything that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God is definitely a high, arrogant, and prideful thing. And bring it into captivity. Bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this is, again, the scriptures let you know that the battleground is this thing between your ears, the mind. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I mean, listen to what he's saying. He's talking about destroying false arguments, reasoning, (laughs) imaginations, faults, okay? And this is what the enemy does. He he, he places the thought there, and the Bible says, do that. And he puts it there again, do that. How many had something that was not right, and it's almost like you couldn't shake it? It's like you're trying to cast this thing down, and... Boom. 
power down. Bam. Then you're successful. It switches over to something else, like in Luke chapter 4 with Jesus. So it says, bring every thought into the captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. The only way you can know that this thought needs to be cast down is, you know good and well, this is not under the rule book of heaven in the word. What just crushed, watch this. See, and it's deep. That was an excellent lesson because I shared something with the girl. The girl thought I was good. God did not think I was good. She thought it was something I shouldn't call her over. God thought it was something I should apologize over. That's what human reasoning does. It thinks it's okay. I'm good. I'm fine. And Satan uses that to then build a structure on the inside of your mind. And you're a believer, but you're walking around. Ooh, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Same one, Passion Translation. I found uh, Chad sent me a message a couple of days ago. Passion Translation is now starting coming out with Old Testament. Um, I think it's four or five books they just released. I'm going to wait till the whole thing is done. I'll read the regular Bible until then. Y'all know what I'm saying? For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Ooh. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. What? People are hiding behind defenses? Yes. And arguing with them is a slower way to get it done? Yes. But we believe arguing with them is the quickest way. <laughs> we can... We can demolish every deceptive fantasy. So it's something that you want to do, and it could be put in the category of a fancy of a fantasy, but that thing is a form of deception. It's a trapdoor. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through that, which means that there are some fantasies that don't oppose God. And break through every, uh-oh, arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience in other words you can't do this unless you make a decision to your decision is I want to be right like Jesus is right and when you say that get ready to go on a roller coaster ride adventure around the entire universe okay Romans 12 2 I just brush stroke it a little bit That's a, I'm diving to some stuff this weekend be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect when it comes to the will of God. So based on how well your mind is renewed, you might be only, only be able to operate in the acceptable. If you renew it more, you can operate in the good. 
if you renew it completely, you can operate in the perfect. But you got to renew it in the midst of somebody trying to make it old. With old world stuff. It's crazy. The day that Adam sinned is the day that this world became old instead of new. That day when he sinned, the whole planet became old. Yeah. And Adam is the first man that got born again in reverse. Always remember that. You're born in sin. Okay. And then you give your life to Christ. You become born again, a new creature in Christ. <laughs> Adam was born in God. When he sinned, he received the nature of Satan. If any man be in Satan, he is a new creature. Old things righteous and holy have now passed away. And behold, all things have become new, like sickness and disease and poverty and fear and depression. All of that was new. And so Jesus is the only man that got born again twice. He became sin, went to hell, and then became righteous again. We were born in sin, become righteous. Adam was born in righteousness, became sin. And Jesus had to cover both sides. He was born righteous, became sin, and then became righteous again. So he could cover all things. Okay. So, Bible makes it very, very clear that your battlefield is the mind. If you could get your mind right, you can literally control the atmosphere around you. That is very clear according to scripture. You remember when Jesus, remember what Jesus did? See, this is the level. What Jesus did was he cursed the fig tree. What's so crazy about that is, why would you get mad? The Bible says that it wasn't time for the thing to have any figs. And Jesus just got mad anyway. He did some questionable things, y'all. But I think it was for teaching moments. And he said, oh, you don't have no leaves in the wintertime? No. We're fine then. No one will ever eat fruit from you forever. And he walked off. Never checked to see if his word came to pass. When you go back and read the scripture, it says they were walking down the road and the disciples stopped Jesus. And they said, Jesus, look, the tree you curse is withered away. He said, that ain't nothing. See that mountain? He said, if you got enough faith, he said, you can make that move. Here come the church. Oh, we got to be realistic. It's not realistic to walk on water. It's not realistic to keep a party going on and use the power of God to turn water into wine. It's not realistic to make people sit down instead of sending them to the grocery store. You decide to multiply fish and loaves. Nothing about Jesus' life was realistic. Yet he's, it's not realistic to go pray all night, pick 12 strangers. One of them you know is going to stab you in the back and you still give him and the other 11 the power to do everything after a few days. And they're not saved. And don't have a Bible. And don't speak in tongues. And don't have the nature of God. All they had was his name. And it's crazy. He, I told them Sunday, Jesus, I mean, I want you to think about this. Jesus looks at these 12 guys. He said, and I'm going to give you everything I can do. You ready? Yes. He said, okay, I give you my authority. There it is. Now go do everything. He gave these men the ability to do everything just by saying it. He said it. He said, I give you a power to do everything. And then they had the ability to do it. That's the power of the word. They didn't have to analyze it. They didn't have to say we're not qualified. All they had to do was accept it. Mary didn't have to understand the signs between heaven and earth and how you have a baby through immaculate conception. All she had to do was say, be it unto me according to what you said. 
But when you read that, here come the enemy putting in that human reasoning and questioning stuff like he did Jesus well if you are the son of God. I told them something Sunday. This is an absolute fact. This is an absolute statement of truth. Watch this. The devil will whisper the devil. Let me get this right. This is how the devil operates. Very, he, he's, he's an excellent schemer. He will whisper in a man's, he will plant the thought of homosexuality in a man's mind. He planted the thought, then he will plant the second thought that says, if you are a real man, then how come you feel that way? Right. Right. It's deep how that joker is. You understand what I'm saying? That's how he operates. He plants the negative thought and then he turns right around and it acts like he's the one that's behind everything. It's crazy, isn't it? So, you know, a large part of our prayers, according to this, has to do with dismantling the fortress that is created in a person's mind. And this, y'all, I have to be honest with you. You understand it, but you don't understand it. It's simple, but it's mysterious. You know, but you have the spirit, you have the soul, and then you have the body. And but according to scripture, you can the 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 body, oh okay, there it is. The body is in a world of its own. The body is in the world of everything that you can see. Okay? And then the spirit man is in a world that is just completely different. For me, I'm getting much better. For me, the soul is still the most mysterious part of this equation. I can understand the body and its limitations. I can understand the spirit and it has unlimited capacity. But for me, the soul is still something that I can't try to wrap. It's just mysterious. But according to scripture, the soul is, an, is, a, is a world all of its own. And you can literally build a fortress. So imagine that the world of the mind is a real world. And all of the reasoning and everything builds a huge castle that has to be torn down. And this castle has in it all of the items that are in the category of imaginations, false arguments, reasoning. And, and over time, your life experience, what you saw growing up, the church you go to, the education that you receive, all plants these things in. And you see how people operate in society. And so you think this is normal. And then the devil then feeds all of that. You, you actually had all of the data. He just rearranges it in, his, in your mind based on how he sees fit. And he's doing it, but you think it's you because it sounds like you talking to you. And that's how it goes. And so the only way you can tell it's the devil is what the Bible said. It said that's why I said every thought, you got to hold that sucker captive. He said you got to put it in jail. So that's the only way that you can tell this is, is, is what's running through your mind does it exalt itself against the word. And that's why I said, as I move along, I'm finding that people come to church, but they don't really practice it. Let me tell you something. Your biggest judgment when you get to heaven is going to be how you treated people. I'm telling you, it's going to be the biggest judgment against people is how we treat people, how we devalue people, how we get ours, but we can't turn around and help somebody else get theirs. And it's very, very sad. You know, and guess, guess what? Because the enemy, he will use your selfishness against you he will use that that false argument in your mind as a regards to in regards to why you can't sacrifice and help somebody. 
He'll use, he'll, he'll give you ideas. He'll give you every good reason that you need in order to devalue somebody. He'll give you every reason under the moon in regards to why you think it's okay to keep your child from his father. That's different if the father's a serial killer or he is the resident drug dealer. You understand? But he just wants to see the child. And you've come up with every false argument and reason why it's okay to keep this child from his father. Why? So that you can punish him. And when you do that, that comes upon you. He's going to be set free. You got to give it time. If it is you, stop, repent. Let the child see their father. Because what's going to happen is, is that the child will have a relationship with the father. And what you were trying to keep from the father, now the child will be bitter at you. Because you kept them from the father. Because the truth always comes out. Period. It's amazing how people try to hide the truth. They try to cover the truth. They try to lie about the truth. The truth is designed to come out. It's engineered to come forth. You can't hide it. It's amazing. Okay. So this is so I'm sharing all this to say this is why it's so important for you to pray for people continually. All of the people that are not saved that you like to see saved. All of the people that are getting on your nerve, if it's, if it's your husband, make him the first one on the list. All of these individuals you should have on a piece of paper. You should be praying for them as a lifestyle, not whether they get good or bad. Because sometimes what you're fighting is the person has a fortress in their mind and Satan is living in it. Because it's his house, not God's house. The Bible says renew your mind with the word and you can build a different house. It's a battle of houses. Hey, so you know I had the uh, I'll tell you two stories, and I give you these three scriptures you should pray over, particularly unbelievers. I had really for the first time in my life, technically, I ran and I had to. I, I think the Holy Spirit was tricking me because I don't really eat hamburgers like that anymore, and it used to be my favorite place called Bobby's Burgers. And um, and I hit that joint up all the time. I've been in a long time. And I was trying to figure out something to eat because my wife is out and all that. And I just had this, you know what, I'm a, you know what, it's not that deep. I'm going to just get a hamburger today. So I went up in there and I ordered my sandwich. Saw these two little black boys, twins. Two sharp looking boys. And I saw their dad over at the machine. And, and I saw that he had on look like what a Wakanda outfit. And a big old chain with a lion's face on it. And so, um, so, but I still said, hey man, you got some sharp looking boys over there. He said, thank you. And, and so, um, um, we got to talking for a second and I made the mistake of telling him that I was a pastor. That's probably the Holy Spirit making me slip up. Because when I'm hungry, I ain't got time for nothing. I just, I just don't. They want to get saved tomorrow, Jesus. I'm ready to eat. I'm just, I'm good. And he was one of them Hebrew, black Hebrew dudes. And I should have known when I was in trouble when he said, yeah, he said, I didn't even ask him any questions. He said, yeah, I'm not one of them ones that stands on the street and cuss you out. And I didn't get it at first because I'm thinking about a hamburger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and then it hit me. Oh, was very interesting. 
was to watch two men talk. And we were talking to each other, but our spirits were also battling. It's a very interesting thing. And you know, when you have the truth and you have power, you know you always hold back. Because I could have destroyed the boy. I could have just, I could have just, but it's not my purpose to destroy the boy. But I, I haven't felt, I haven't felt a demonic spirit on a person like that in a long time. I mean, I could, he's talking and he, he, he would be what you would consider, he's like Farrakhan, a very charismatic figure. You know, so Farrakhan has what you call a python spirit. You know what he's saying is foolishness, but you still like to listen to it because it's smooth. It's the python spirit. So this guy, he had the same thing. And it was just very interesting, me trying to navigate around, not him, but the spirit. It was the spirit trying to, it was the spirit that was on him that was trying to look at me as some type of contest to win. This is very interesting. And so we start going back and forth. It was light at first. It was light at first, you know, because he thought I was one of them ignorant pastors. And so then I started kind of getting with him a little bit. And every time I would get with him, he would just sit there like stunned. It was almost like I was switching. It was like, it's like when I preached the word, it stunned the man. When he spoke back, it was the spirit. It was deep. We're the only ones in this place, too. And I'm trying to fix my stuff, my lettuce, and my pickles, and my onions. And, and, and I, can, I can feel this spirit trying to draw me in. I can feel this thing drawing me in. And, and, and he, this, this dude, he just wouldn't let it go. It's just like he was not going to be satisfied until he could convert me to that foolishness. Wow. And I'm just being nice and everything. And, 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 and so the enemy would come at me this way. You got to remember, the enemy is using his imagination. He's built false reasoning and false arguments into his mind that he's thinking is the truth. So there's not a whole lot that I can do without smashing the dude. You know, because he, you know, the, you know it's, and to be honest with you, it's the exact same spirit that's on the Ku Klux Klan, by the way. It's the exact same thing. We're always on the Ku Klux Klan is, is that white people are the chosen people of God and that if you're black and you're Jewish and all of that type of stuff and Mexican, you know, you're basically cursed. Not basically, you are. And so now you see the black Hebrews doing the exact same thing where if you're not black, do you, believe, do you know that they teach that, 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 that God is coming back in order to judge the races that are not black? And it's the exact same thing. You know, and, you know, I told him I was a pastor. And see, what led down the, this thing, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice, you know, until he told me that, you know, that, you know, basically he said was, pastors ain't nothing. You're supposed to be a priest. He said, I'm a priest. And, and he said, you're supposed to be a priest. And he told me all of this stuff that they do and all that type of stuff. I started getting with him a little bit, you know. But it was, but I was trying to be careful because I'm fighting two men at the same time. One I got to kill, another one I got to keep alive. And that's, that's difficult because your pride is trying to kick in. The flesh is trying to kick in. The Holy Ghost is talking, and you hungry. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and the Bible says don't engage in foolish conversations like that because it engenders more foolishness. 
you know, and so he was talking about, you know, well, you know, black people are the priests, and there's many different type of priests, boom, boom, and I said, I said, that's wonderful, I said, but according to the New Testament that I read in Jesus Christ, says that when you give you, I kept going that, when you give your life to Christ, we all become priests, right. he just looked at me for a second, and he would switch, and that spirit would kick in, and it was always something smooth. And, and the answer, the, it would always come in such a way where there would be a measure of difficulty with me answering this without making this dude furious. One time he hit me so hard, I sidestepped him. I sidestepped him and I said, well, you know, according to the scripture, I said, Bible says we're supposed to be casting out demons. And I said, when I cast out demons from all of these false religions all of the time and I'm hitting with demons, he's just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And then that spear kicked in. And went another way like I never even brought that up. The demon situation that had nothing to do with it. I just decided to side sidestep the devil. And the boy was just looking at me like this, like, like I was crazy. And so, so, so I said a lot to say, you will never be able to argue a guy like that down. Because the enemy has built false reasoning and imaginations and and, and a whole fortress that is a stronghold of false religion based on me identifying with something that I believe that I lost. Now, as a side note, I do agree. The Jewish people believe that there are lost races when it comes to African-American people. That's no big deal. Fine. But if you want to go that deep, Guess what you are? Some people out there in la-la land, and I did say la-la because you're crazy, you're not going to like this because you do realize that there are white people that are traced to Abraham and Chinese people and Italian people. Truth be told, all people. The last time I checked, the Bible says he called to make us one. So I knew, so I left because I was really hungry now. So I left him on this note. I knew this would irk him. I said, yeah, well, you know what, brother? According to Jesus, it's all about us being one. It's all about us being unified together. And, and I said at my church, I said, I have people that are there that are white and Indian and Korean and Mexican and Haitian and Jamaican. Ooh, he didn't like that. Oh, he didn't like that at all. Oh, he didn't like that. Because if you ain't black, you're going to hell. You got to be pure black. You can't have nothing mixed in your own thing. That's stupid. It's just stupid. Why are y'all even questioning me like we are supposed to? It's called, your name is Dumbbell Jr. What is your daddy's name? Uh, see, you can't even get that right. Some of y'all get the joke in the car on the way home at 1 o'clock in the morning. The Bible says, don't argue with people like that. It's just going to foster more foolishness. You can't win the argument. You have to destroy the fortress. Some of you, there, there are people here that go to this church and they're married to black Hebrews. And some of y'all, you're like, well, my cousin is not a black Hebrew, right Hebrew, or any other type of Hebrew, but he is crazy. <laughs> and the Bible is telling you, arguing with them won't change it. You got to pray that thing off of them. And, and guess what you want to do? You want to pray for a week and see them turn around. But the fortress might have been built for 30 years. And you don't tear down a 30-year fortress in a week, even if you got a big bulldozer. So it's very mysterious. I'll share this last story. It's a true story. This guy was an atheist and a politician. I mean, you know, that is not a good mix either way, let alone together. That's like bleach and ammonia. <laughs> hey, 
And so his wife got saved. She got spirit filled. And the friend that got her saved, they came into agreement that they were going to pray for his salvation every day. Some of y'all been with me for a minute. I haven't shared this story in a long time, but you remember it. They were going to pray for her, his salvation every day. So she said, they prayed every day. Nothing happened. Not a thing happened. She said, three weeks later, um, her husband comes into the room. And long story short, he is so convicted and so messed up that it leads to his salvation. So now, it's wonderful. Now that's one that takes a shorter amount of time. So, but this is what happened during the three weeks. He said that what led to his salvation is he said one day he was sitting in front of his desk and he said he looked up because he felt like God had walked through the walls and was standing there with his arms folded with a frown on his face. Okay. So he said, and I quote, I don't believe in God, so I know I need something to eat. He said he left his office, went for a walk, got a bite to eat, came back to his desk, sat down, looked up, because he swore that God had walked through the walls and was standing there staring at him with a frown on his face. This went on every day for three whole weeks until he broke. And he knew that his wife was into this new Christianity thing, boom, 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 so he wouldn't talk to her about it. She let him know, well, we've been praying for you every single day since that day. Here's the moral of the story. She prayed every day. God moved every day. Second thing, she prayed every day, but God moved in a way that you would never think he would move. She prayed every day. God moved every day, but the man didn't break. He acted like nothing was going on. When you pray for these people, expect them to act crazier than they did before. Because when you start praying for them every day as a lifestyle, guess what? The Holy Spirit starts convicting them every single day. And when he's convicting them, they think about you. And you are the last person they want to hear from. So when, you get a, when they get around you, they will act crazy. They'll have an attitude. Y'all know who Jesse the Planet is? Jesse the Planet said when he was, in case y'all didn't know, Jesse the Planet was a rock and roll star who was coked out. Okay? And Jesse the Planet said that his wife got saved. And his, his mother-in-law was praying for him every day. Just to the plan to say that he could feel the weight of those prayers so strong, he said he would be in the bar high. He said he would walk over to the payphone, call his mother-in-law and say, stop praying and hang up the phone. Because he knew his feeling was coming from her. See, so it's a war of the invisible. It's a castle that you can't see. And you don't know how big it is and you don't know everything that is entailed to bring it down. Because once the thing gets all the way down, then Jesus still stands there in front of the person and says, now nah, I've destroyed the council, but you still got to make a decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, you notice these people sometimes that get saved, they just get saved out of nowhere. You've been praying for them and then you leave them alone the next day they're calling you inviting you to a Bible study. It's just crazy. Okay, So, when we are here praying in the morning and when we are here praying at night about evangelism, that's what's going on. That's why it wasn't a coincidence that so many people that left the church came back immediately. There were structures in their mind, false reasoning about why they couldn't come back, things that had been told. How I many know? We all get off track. I know I left the church, you know, and, and but some people have one bad experience. I remember one guy, he became a self-proclaimed atheist because the Lord didn't heal his mama. 
That's stupid. But see, that's called false reasoning. A false argument as to why you should leave your heavenly father. Because he didn't do what you wanted to do when it came to your mama. Did it ever occur to you that your mama checked out to get away from your crazy raggedy behind? That's what they tell me on the deathbed. So, y'all got that? So, these are the three prayers that you pray over people and then switch over to tongues. These are called the Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians prayer. I'm just going to read them. I'm not going to get into the detail. Ephesians 1 16, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Mm, not every once in a while. Let me tell you something. When you're praying for somebody and they start seeming like they're getting better, don't stop. Don't stop until they get mad at you for not being to church on time. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can see that flooded with light. Why? Because they've got darkness on the inside of them. I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glory inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. So what you do is, if you pray that over yourself, you personalize it. Father, I am praying that you give unto me spiritual wisdom and insight so that I can grow in my knowledge of God. Father, I'm praying for my Aunt Lucy. Why I use Lucy? I have no idea. I'm praying for my Aunt Lucy that you would give her spiritual wisdom and insight so that she can grow in her knowledge of God. I am praying that you will give me understanding concerning your incredible greatness of you. Y'all see how that goes? Now, what you can do is, yes, what you can do is you can list all of the names of the people that you have on that list. Okay? I'm praying for Bob, Lucy, John, uh, uh, Curtis, um, 50 Cent, you know, you, you list all of the names. Father, I'm praying for all of these individuals. I have listed them by name. Then you pray the prayer over them all. See how that goes? You know, no different than, watch this. I go out there to somebody and we have a bunch of cupcakes and I say, hey, I need you to do me a favor. When it comes to every single person in that room, I need you to give them a particular cupcake. Or I can say, when it comes to all of the people on the front row, these are their names. Make sure you give them a cupcake. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have to say, give Kimberly a cupcake, give Dawn a cupcake. I can just mention all of their names, give all of them a cupcake. So you mention all of their names and then you pray the prayers over all of them. You can do that. Next one is Colossians 1.9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's a very part. Spiritual wisdom. That black Hebrew boy, let me tell you something. Only God can get a hold of that boy. The Lord has to lift the veil. And usually men like that, they got to be in that for a long time. So they begin to see the discrepancies. Because the longer you in that mess that's actually hatred, the more you begin to die on the inside. Your revelation runs out when it ain't truth. Woo-wee. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. I'm going to read it the way I would read it over somebody. Father, I'm, 
well, you know, just like a lady is praying to her husband. Father, I pray that you would give my husband complete knowledge of your will and give him spiritual wisdom and understanding. I am praying that he will live in such a way that always honors and pleases you and that his life will produce every kind of good fruit. See how excellent that is? Then verse 11, I pray, Father, that you would strengthen my crazy husband. Would strengthen, don't want to pray it that way. Father, I want you to pray, always, <laughs> let me just pray the prayer. I pray that you would strengthen my husband with all of your glorious power so he will have all the endurance and patience he needs. And I'm asking you to fill him with joy. So whether you pray it over someone else or pray it over yourself, these are called the Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians prayer. It's praying perfectly in English. You want to pray this over yourself every day, and you will find it every day. The Lord will begin to do that. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, last one. I pray, oh, we need this one. I pray, I'm going to put myself in here, that my love would overflow more and more and that I would keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want to understand what really matters in life so that I may live pure and a blameless life until the day of Christ's return. Father, I'm praying that I will always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Everybody say, Amen. When it says, I'm praying that I might be filled with the fruit of your salvation. Salvation does not mean be saved. It does not mean that. You'll look it up. In the Greek, it literally means to be saved. It's the Greek word sozo. S-O-Z-O. It means to be saved. It means to be protected from the hand of the enemy. It means to be delivered from darkness. It means, I might be repeating myself. It means... You no longer have to be sick. You are saved from sickness. And it means that you now are saved from poverty. Every time you say you're saved, you're saying that about yourself. I am free from sin. I'm healed. I got divine protection with bodyguards. I'm delivered from the hand of the enemy. And I'm rich. That's what it means. That's literally what salvation means. So when you say, let me be filled with all of the fruit of salvation, you're asking for all of that. Got that. Now, isn't that powerful praying? Verse, you go to the Lord, just bless my day. Stop. He did. But because you weren't specific, you don't know what he blessed you with. These are specific prayers you pray as a lifestyle over yourself and over those that are not saved and over those that are saved but barely. And then guess what you do? Switch over to other tongues. And then you can ask stuff in there. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release power to destroy the fortress that is over that person's mind. I remove the blindfolding weapons that the enemy has placed in front of their understanding to prevent them from seeing. The more you pray these prayers of the Holy Spirit to give you extra. Y'all got that? Excellent way to pray. Would you agree? Okay, so you can write those things down. I'll upload the teaching on tomorrow. And that is how you battle. So, you can help you understand how when you pray this way, then the Lord is the one who adds to the church daily such as should be saved. Because we don't, guess what? We don't know who is ready tomorrow. We don't know who is ready next week. So as we pray in the Holy Ghost, praying, now you understand why the Bible says you speak mysteries. Because this stuff is way outside your pay grade. Way outside your end. This is a different type of technology. You are literally demolishing the fortresses of people's minds 
it was a quote in the matrix and i can't remember it now you know but um oh when they talk about free your mind that's literally what we are doing because the bible says that satan blinds them but the question is exactly how is he doing that i want you to think about that you, we got to start really accepting what the word says at the level of who it's coming from when God says there are creatures down there that have the ability to blind your mind most people don't know you don't see with your eyes you see with your mind second thing you know you never see things as they are you only see them as you are so the enemy is going to work on you because if he can corrupt you you'll see other things that's corrupted it's crazy that's why the Bible says, to those that are pure, all things are pure. Why? Watch this. We think that we think planet Earth is full of wickedness. But in the scripture, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Why would you say that? Because I can see stuff you can't see. It's crazy, isn't it? This right here. So learn to think more in line with what the word says. Don't try to figure it out. Don't, well, he said this to me, so I said something back. You don't even need a Bible. Two wrongs don't make a right. You know, the Bible says that a husband can be won by the lifestyle of a wife. But you want to, did y'all know I read a scripture the other day and I was appalled by this scripture. I don't know if you have read it or anybody else who reads the Bible has read it. And I was appalled because I think it's the story of the king that hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And I was appalled when I read this. It said that the prophet did not curse them. He blessed them. And it said the king said this while clapping his hands. Didn't I tell you to? I was appalled. You mean Shaquita ain't the first one that came up with that idea? If your name is Shaquita, I'm, not, I'm just playing. You know what I'm saying. She used the word Felicia for some reason. I was appalled. It said the king was clapping his hands angrily as he went off on the prophet. Oh, man. I was like, we just can't get away from this. It's crazy, ain't it? Well, it says there's nothing new under the sun, including the clapback. <laughs> I was just, this is crazy to me. That's how I read the Bible. Y'all would have went right past that. Okay, so y'all got me. All right, cool. Let's go ahead and stand, so we can get over into our prayer.